Welcome back to Mamas on a Mission Season 2. This is Episode 3 and we're talking all about money. Firstly, I'm Holly. Hey! And I'm the Chief Mama of Motherhood Melbourne. I love sharing Melbourne mums' stories and their missions to help others. I hope you listen to this podcast and feel entertained, inspired and informed. Thank you so much for the kind feedback so far. And if you're an avid listener, I'd really appreciate you taking the time to write a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in from. Also, it would be so fab if you could let your mama friends know that there's a podcast specifically for Melbourne mums. Send them a text, DM or tag them in a Motherhood Melbourne social media post. Please help me get the word out that there are Melbourne mums doing incredible things. Thank you. Okay, let's move on to today's topic and guest. Joining us is Karen Batsillis, financial advisor from Your Life and Money Matters and authorized representative of Avalon FS. I just want you to know that anything that Karen talks about is of general nature and not to be used as personal advice. In this episode, we dive into financial considerations that we as mums should focus on when we're having a career pause, such as mat leave, or if making the decision to not return to work. We also chat about what to do to ensure we're not financially vulnerable should any unexpected circumstances occur, such as the loss of a partner or breakdown of a relationship. Of course, we chat about the B word, budgeting. There's a tip or two in there that can help you with your family budget. We also talk about motherhood and super and the misconceptions that we often have. I don't want to give everything away, but I can tell you that this chat with Karen from Your Life and Money Matters had me buzzing and putting on my action-taking pants. So we're going to start with Karen telling us about her background. Let's meet Karen. I've worked in financial services for over 15 years in, in various roles, but I've been a financial advisor for over six years. Um, so I've worked for a couple of other firms as a financial advisor. Um, you know, getting lots of experience, seeing different ways of doing things. Um, and then, you know, last year, it seemed like a really good time. I was working part-time. Uh, I was pregnant with my second child. And, you know, what's the perfect time to start a business? That, <laughs> that seemed like the perfect time. So um, that's what I did. I think something that was sort of in the back of my mind for a while, it just seemed like, yep, now's the time when you've got a million other things going on to start your life and money matters. Yes, absolutely. And I guess sometimes people think, you know, when they think of uh, financial advisors, it's not the same as an accountant. Yeah, exactly. Very different things um, that we can cover. There's a little bit of overlap and I love to work with accountants um, for my clients so we can complement each other. Um, But yeah, we definitely cover different things. Um, Accountants can't give specific personal financial advice, um, but they give, you know, really great tax advice and tax strategies and that sort of thing. So we work really well together. Awesome. Thank you so much for clearing that up. So I'd love to know now, can you tell us more about what your life of money matters is? Who is it that you're trying to help and why did you really start it? Um, Yeah. So your life of money matters is a firm that delivers financial advice for women, couples and families um, really for younger people. So I'm looking to 
deal with people generally under the age of 45. Uh, and my focus is to help those people live the life that they want with the money they have available to them. So I think there's this misconception that financial advice is for people that are older and trying to retire or people that have money already. But like how are you meant to get money if you don't have any strategies in place? And, you know, so that's sort of why I wanted to set it up. And in particular, I wanted to empower women to, you know, be involved or take the lead about their personal finances. So whether they're a single woman in a couple or in a family where a lot of women deal with a lot of the expenses, but maybe not the whole picture. Um, so I think I just really wanted to work with women and families and help them know their finances and really be able to achieve their dreams and goals that they have for themselves and also for their family. Um, yeah, so I didn't really set out to become a financial advisor <laughs> when I was you know, working, but um, it's one of those things that... Um, I worked in the industry, uh, my dad's a financial advisor and I sort of came to this realisation that I know all this stuff that my friends don't know and I didn't realise that they didn't know until they started asking questions and I was like, ah, I have this knowledge just because of the way I was brought up and other people don't have this. So that sort of got to me, I was like, I want to share this with young people and women and, and they should have this knowledge too. Um, so that's sort of where I guess the wheels started turning and then I worked for a business that dealt with young people. I'm like, oh, so you can deliver advice to younger people. Um, and that's where I just really started to think how I could do that and who I wanted to work with. And it just made sense for me to work with people like me, like women and families um, that I really understand, I guess, their trigger points uh, and can help them get on top of their finances and you know, do all the cool stuff they want to do. Yeah. I love that. I love that you address that misconception that financial advisors are only for older people or people with lots of money, uh, because it is something that you think you think. Well, why would I go see them? I have I have no money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but you can teach them like strategies and give them advice on you know how to actually acquire more wealth or what to do with what you actually already have. Yeah, exactly. And that's so yeah. important, like what you can do with what you have because everyone can do something whether you're earning, you know, a small amount of money, a large amount of money. That's also really depends on your mindset as to what's a small amount and a large amount. So everyone has the ability to do something and put strategies in place to work towards the life they want. Um, and it's just about getting a bit of help in doing that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd love to today to talk about um, mums in particular. So what are some of the financial considerations we should focus on when we're either having a career pause or deciding not to return to work at all? So how can we ensure we're not put in financial vulnerable positions um, if, our, if our circumstances change abruptly? Yeah, so I guess... First of all, if yep. you can, plan ahead. So before you have a pause, whether it's for pregnancy or another reason just to take time out and, um, you know, take time out to be a mum, try and plan ahead. So that could mean just understanding what your financial world looks like now versus what it will look like in the future. Um, I think that's really important if you can plan ahead because, um you can prepare yourself and that's not just about preparing yourself financially by saying saving some money, but also mentally like, Hey, my world's going to change in ways you can't imagine becoming a mum, but also like day to day stuff that you wouldn't even consider. Um, so if you can plan ahead, 
be ready for those changes. They still might not be exactly what you think they're going to be, but you're prepared for something different. Um, and so part of that, if you can plan ahead, is having some savings to fall back on that you can easily access if you need them when things do go a little bit wrong or, you know, say you're down to one wage or a lower wage, whatever it is, um, and the washing machine breaks, like suddenly you've got to buy a new washing machine. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, you, you need to and you cannot do without a washing machine. <laughs> no, you um, cannot, especially when you become a mum. Your laundry yeah. triples overnight. <laughs> Exactly. So having this sort of savings account to fall back on makes those things not a big deal. So you can continue focusing on being a mum and doing what you need to do and not worry about, oh my gosh, this thing and now I've got to find the money because you've saved a bit and you've got your backup plan there in a bit of a savings buffer. So that's one of the things I think is really important. I mean, it's important for everyone, um, but particularly when you're going to have a big change um, in your life through a career pause or whatever it may be, just to have that because it's one less thing you have to worry about. Um, having access to funds that are readily available and everyone can put a little bit aside to work towards that. Yeah, um, yeah that's a great point. So savings buffer. <clears throat> yeah, a savings buffer. So it'd be great to have that beforehand. Um, and as, as I said, if you can know where you're at and how that's going to change as well, so you just can be prepared. Um, and then, you know, not being financially vulnerable, it's really hard, especially um, like if you're in a couple or a family and um, you're having time out from the workforce, so it feels like you're not bringing money in, right? <laughs> but you're yeah. probably the main person in the household spending money because you, you're buying groceries or whatever it is. Like generally that's how it works in most family situations yeah. um, that I've come across. So you need to make sure that you're set up so that you've got, like you've had the chats and you've got easy access to money and that you know where you stand as a couple or a, a family unit because. Um, you know, you hear these horrible stories where someone's like, oh, well, now I've got to pay for this, but I don't have the money coming in. And and so you just want to know as a partnership, like where, you know, how the money is going to be spent and um, where it's coming from. So again, you can go out and do the things day to day that you need to do. Um, and then there are other things that get, I guess, a bit more into the nitty gritty of financial advice, like personal insurances. So, you know, if you've got your cash buffer set up, you can take care of stuff that happens as it pops up. Um, but um, if, you know, if something happens like really unexpected, like a serious illness or injury to you or your partner, um, you know, personal insurances can come into play in that situation. So ideally you're reviewing them before you're having time out um, and have the right insurance in place so that you can claim on those and they can provide for you in those really horrible situations. But situations that unfortunately do occur when you least expect it yeah um and there's there's sort of the main two ways i guess to prepare is have access to cash and have a look at what personal insurances you can have in place um for when the, the really bad stuff happens if it happens isn't it amazing before kids when you get those phone calls the telemarketers that are about you know insurance if you hurt yourself and you're like i'm not interested and then all of a yeah. sudden you're, you're like oh actually i need to be interested what was that you were saying <laughs> like you yeah just, exactly what is that what do i need like how do we do this <laughs> how do we do this yeah 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 it just seems like it's so unsexy almost like beforehand yeah uh, I'm not in that frame of mind. I'm fine. You know, I'm I'm invincible. Nothing will happen to me. But then all of a sudden yeah. you realise if something happens to me, like that, you know, it, 
it's not a it's not a great situation obviously especially when you've got kids and you're looking after them so that's such a great point to to um think about because no one says that oh you're going on mat leave have you thought about this yeah it's not a conversation that you really have yeah exactly And, and then they're not things that people like widely talk about and um, you know, they're, they're really important things that if you just give some consideration to, then you know what your plan is as well. So it's all about having those things in place. So when you are at your most vulnerable, you've already got the building blocks in place. It's yeah. not a scrabble to put things together. Like you know what's going on and you've got that sort of foundation in place. Yeah, yeah. And I really love that thing you said about having that conversation with your partner about how the finances um, are divided or sort of like the way you perceive the money that's coming in because like you said perhaps the um, mum is the one who is taking care of the child full time but obviously not bringing in the income but they're running the whole household so yeah. having <laughs> access to money and how you're viewing money so if your partner is the one bringing all the income in that doesn't make it his or her money yeah, exactly. So it's really about how we, because I mean, in my family, we're all joint, we're all in, everything yeah. is shared yeah. because that's just how we've set up. But not all um, families and partnerships are like that, which is fine, mm. but you just need to know how it's going to go when one of you isn't working and, and bringing in the income. Yeah, yeah. And I actually remember seeing in a um, one of those sort of mum Facebook groups where a woman asked that, she said, I'm pregnant, I'm obviously going to be taking mat leave, um, but how am I going to contribute half the money to the mortgage and everyone was just like in a tears going what do you mean like your partner (laughs) pays the mortgage if you're looking after the child but you know obviously that wasn't their situation um so yeah I don't jump on and like make any comments but same I was thinking that I was like oh my goodness this poor woman like you know she's she's thinking she has to stay at home and look after a child but then she's not sure how she's going to contribute to half the finances in the in the house yeah, and, and, it's, and it's a really tough one, but it can be so easily avoided by having those conversations up front yeah. um, and, and working, working out what's right for your, you know, your world. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so there's so many great things we're going to be talking about, and this is one that I am really excited about. Like my, my nerd alert is going on right now because we're going to talk about <laughs> word budgets. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's obviously an area that you help people with. And it's something that people always, you know, want to get better at. Um, and it's definitely a skill. It's not something, like you said, you, you were taught probably really good habits um, as a child, yeah. whereas some people don't have that if, if their parents were never taught how to budget. So what are you seeing then? What are some of the common mistakes people are making when budgeting? Um, well, first off, they're not budgeting, Um, (laughs) you know, budget is seen a bit of a dirty word and it's sometimes seen for people that don't have very much money, um, which I think is ridiculous. I think everyone should work to some sort of budget, um, you know, so that they know that they're not spending more than what's coming in. It's sort of that simple, right? Um, and the thing, the mistakes that I see aside from that is where people like they try really hard to like scrimp and save and not spend too much money. So they're, they're sort of developing these great sort of mindful habits around how they're spending, but they don't have any strategy in place or any savings or um, sort of a clear plan of what they're doing. So they're trying to save, but they're not actually getting money into their savings because all they're doing is trying to spend less. Okay. Um, and what you sort of see is then, so they're trying and then they realize, oh my God, I'm not, I'm always trying to buy like the cheapest thing or stuff on sale, but 
I'm not getting anywhere because they don't have a plan for what they do with the money that they've saved. So it just gets eaten up somewhere else. Yeah. And then they are like, that's it. I can't deal with this anymore. I'm going to go buy something crazy. Um, you know, whatever it is that like, you know, this ridiculous <laughs> candle or these crazy shoes. Cause I'm sick of it. I never have money for myself and I am not getting anywhere saving. And so they sort of have this binge behavior. Yeah. Um, and it's so frustrating because they're trying to do the right thing, yeah. but they don't have the complete strategy in place to actually make the most of it. Um, so that's a big one because it can be really disheartening when you are trying to save and, and cut back that then you're not getting anywhere. Yeah. Um, and a similar one is when people do do their budget and they make a super strict budget and they're like, this is how much we're spending and we're going to save this much. And it's just too strict and you can't yeah. stick to it. it it's like, um, you know, working out and eating well. We all know what we should do. <laughs> and you, you, you try and go really hard and eat really well. And then by the end of the day, you're like, oh my God, I just need to eat a block of chocolate now because <laughs> I can't do this anymore. It's not sustainable. And it's the same with money. <clears throat> oh my goodness. I love this analogy. It's so true. You do. You're just like, oh, like, you know, we've been saving so well. Let's just treat ourselves. And all of a sudden, all yeah. you saved is gone on something ridiculous that you didn't need. Yeah. Didn't need, didn't really even actually want. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, this feeling. Oh my goodness. So that's so true about, um, those budgeting mistakes. So what's one tip then that can help mums create a family budget or their own budget, whatever they want to do? Yeah, cool. So I've got a few tips because I love it. I'm, yeah, go. I'm really passionate about this. And I think, <laughs> you know, it can be really the key to getting ahead is doing this stuff right. Okay. Um, so first of all is when you are going to do a budget is actually looking at um, how you have been spending. So put a bit of time in and look at where you have been spending money um, and also look at what your bills actually are. So a lot of people are like, I'm going to do a budget and this is how much I should spend and it's not real. So you really need to sit down, take the time to base it on real information because then you can start making decisions like, okay, well, I've been spending that much on groceries and that's fine because that's how much we need to spend. Like there's no point cutting back in an area that you need to spend in. Yeah. Um, but I've been spending this much on takeaway and that is too much. So I'm prepared to cut that back. And so it gives you that real power to make good decisions when you're doing the budget, when you're using real information um, and you're know, doing actual budgets is something we do for clients because they don't want to do it. So we actually can do all this work <laughs> for them, but you know, there is a lot to be said for doing it yourself and really knowing what's going on and making good choices about what's in your budget. Um, so that's sort of my big tip is, base your budget on real data. Um, and there are some apps out there that can help you do that. Um, there's also um, a budget guide on the Money Smart, ASIC Money Smart website. Yeah. Um, and most banks these days, you can actually download your statements into an Excel file. So you can actually have that real information um, you know, at hand to go, okay, where are we spending money? Um, so then some of my other tips are is a bit of a, a weird one, but it's trying to make it more positive. So plan to spend money. So once you've got this budget, you can actually decide where you want to spend the money that you have coming in. And this is what's important when I say like um, your life and money matters is about living the life you want. It's actually about saying, well, this is what we've got to spend. How are we going to spend it? And making sure that the spending you're doing is on stuff that is important to you. So you know what? You need to buy clothes. So how much are you going to spend on clothes for yourself? Don't forget yourself. It's not just about the kids' clothes. <laughs> yes. Um, for yourself, for the kids, for the family, like are you going to have a night out every so often and, and put money aside for that? 
um, you know, buying gifts for family members and friends, make sure you've put money like that in your budget. Um, and, you know, kids' activities, instead of just going, oh, I'm just going to do this and we're going to make it work, like put it into your budget, plan to spend on those things because you know you're going to get value out of them or you know that you need them. Um, and so that's a really integral part of when you're doing your budget is planning to spend money. It's okay to spend money. Just you've got to do it in the right way. <laughs> I love this. Um, does, that make, right. does that make sense? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So um, just recapping. So the first one is knowing what you're spending your money on. And then the yeah. next one is planning what you're going to spend it on. So actually knowing that. Yeah. And yeah. having it aligned with your values. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you value experiences, then you might say, okay, well, we love to go out every Sunday as a family and go somewhere, you know, and there'll be food and we'll be doing an activity. Well, then, you know, you need to put money aside for that rather than going, oh, we're not going out anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then have a structured approach. So once you know where you want to spend money, like structure your bank accounts to make that work for you. So have a bank account that's for bills, have a bank account that's for the everyday stuff that you need, your food, your petrol, that sort of thing. Um, you know, maybe have a savings account specifically for holidays or for, you know, family spending, like outings and or date nights. Like have that sort of structured approach so you know where the money is that you can spend. Um, you know, no one is amazing at sticking to a budget if you just say, just spend this much. But if you have the right money available in the right spot, then you know really clearly and visibly what you can spend. Yeah. So it's like a, it's like seeing it visually really helps, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's just that mental sort of connection to the money. Yeah. And I was really excited recently. I realized that with my bank that you could change the title of the, the account. So then we yeah. could actually say, this is for savings. This is for every day. This is for this. Um, and, th and that helped me because I was like, I hated that it was just this generic sort of name. Yeah. I like, oh, I can change it. And just seeing that actually help to, um, I guess, yeah, just realize, okay, this is how much money we have in each of these aspects and what we can spend. Yeah, exactly. And it's so powerful. Like it's really mentally powerful tool to have that. Like, and you can see when money's like saving up towards something and that's really exciting to go, okay, we're getting somewhere with that. And, and now we can go spend some money like, Hey, we've built up this, let's go spend it on something we really wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and my last sort of tip is to pay yourself weekly. So um, yeah, everyone gets paid at different sort of times, monthly, fortnightly, weekly, whatever it is. But once you know, as I said, you've got your structure sort of set up, pay yourself what you need weekly. So for your groceries, your petrol, all that stuff, have it in an account, have it go in every week, a Friday, a Monday, whatever day is going to suit you. And then, you know, whatever's in that account for the week, you can spend on that stuff. So it doesn't matter if you have it for the week and it gets down to zero every week because you've specifically set aside an amount to be spent that week. And if you're doing really well that week and you haven't spent as much for whatever reason, maybe you're like, oh, we can you know, have takeaway because we've got a bit, le a bit left over. Or you could be like, oh, we've got a bit left over. Let's chuck it into something else that we're saving for. So again, it just, I don't know, these sort of structural things really help mentally um, because as I said, like when the money's there, you tend to spend it. It doesn't matter how good you are with money. So yeah. putting little barriers up and putting little things in place to say, hey, this money you can spend, this money over here you don't spend, it, it's really effective at helping you stay on track. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I used to hate getting paid monthly. Like it is, it just messes with your mind. So that's such a great yeah. tip 
And do you then suggest that how often should people be looking at their budget or assessing their budget? Uh, look, in an ideal world, you'd have little monthly check-ins yeah. um, just to see how you're going against what you've set. Um, at least sort of quarterly have a check-in yeah. um, and, a, and a total review like annually at the longest, like just everything you're having a look at, how you've spent for the year, what you said you were going to spend. Um, uh, again, there are some great tracking apps and that sort of thing that can actually tell you how you're going regularly. Um, yeah. You don't want to check in on it too much <laughs> either. <laughs> so I wouldn't check on it more than monthly. Yeah. Um, but a nice little monthly check-in to see how you're tracking. But you've always got lumpy things in terms of bills. So, you know, sometimes you'll pay something, an annual bill, and so it's going to cause lumpiness. So that's why, um, you know, monthly or quarterly to see how you're tracking and if you need to make any tweaks and a big overhaul at least annually. Yeah, those pesky bills. I never want to go to my yes. mailbox. <laughs> I know, I know. I was like, it's never good news. Why doesn't anyone send me a nice letter once in a while? <laughs> and, and it's always when you think you're like, yes, I'm doing so well yeah. right now. And then it's like, oh, we've got rego due or oh, like whatever it yeah. is. Yeah, absolutely. I've done a massive overhaul just recently with all our finances. Like I sat down, I was like, yeah, and same, what are we spending on? What what do we actually need to put aside for everything? Because you just feel out of whack when you're just like doing it and, and not really thinking about it in a in a more constructive way. Yeah, and doing all that then it makes you think about it more so you're a bit more mindful in how you spend and you, you just – you just need to ask yourself the question when you're spending, is this something that I really want or need yeah. or, or value? Yeah. Um, quick, quick little chat in your head and then you know that you're making the right decisions like all the time and then that breeds like really good habits and so then you do it without even thinking and then next thing you know you're actually, you don't miss out on anything. You've got everything that you want and you're still able to save and do all those other things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <gasps> I love all these tips. Was there anything else? I think they're my, my key ones they're your um, key from ones. time yeah. to time. Like I post things on Instagram and Facebook, um, just like tips that might help. So, um, you know, whenever I think of something, I'm like, oh, we should do that too. And I put that out there for other people to see. <laughs> awesome. So people can follow along to get some more. I hope you're enjoying this episode. I'd love to take a minute to tell you about my podcast partner. Whilst today's sponsor is on topic, they are not affiliated with my guest, Karen. Verve Super is Australia's first ethical superannuation fund for women led by women. They're on a mission to build the financial power of women whilst giving you the opportunity to invest your money to change the world. When you go on parental leave or decide to take a career pause, what happens to your super? There's nothing going in, but there's usually hefty fees taking your money out. Verve Super supports parents with their parental fee freeze, where the fixed fee is waived while you take parental leave. They even have zero fixed fees for members with a balance of less than $5,000. Also, they offer free financial coaching so you can get savvy in areas such as saving, money management and investing. Now, mamas, have you ever looked into what your super money is being invested into? Many major super funds are investing your retirement money in weapons, tobacco, gambling, and fossil fuels. Well, that's just not going to fly at Verve Super. They ensure that your money is ethically invested in companies that have a positive impact on the world, such as renewables, healthcare, and sustainable production. 
To create a better future for your finances, your family, and the world, visit vervesuper.com.au. I want to talk now, let's dive into something that also can sometimes seem really unsexy because it feels like it's so in the future, but let's talk about superannuation. Um, yeah. Because first of all, let's talk about how does motherhood affect our super? What are you finding? Well, um, just being female um, is being worse, is worse off for your super generally. So you've got the wage gap, yeah. um, which is, it's at an all time low at the moment, 14.1%, but it's still a pretty significant gap. Yeah. Um, and because the super that goes into your account is a percentage based on what your income is. So as a female, you've generally got less going into super. And so that, that's just being female without even being a mum. You've got, you've got that. And then yeah. um, becoming a mum, most women take time out. So whether it's, you know, months, years, whatever it is, um, and then often return to part-time work. Um, and again, in having time out, depending on what your maternity leave entitlements are, um, you may have far lower amounts going into your super or even none for a period of time however long you are out of the workforce and um, so there's that so um and then of course yeah returning back to work part-time so then that percentage amount that is paid on your salary your salary is lower because you're part-time so you've got less going into super um, and then um i was looking at some data so the abs data shows that 34.8 percent of business owner managers are female which is amazing and small business owners in Australia. So that's really exciting. Uh, but small business owners are notoriously bad at paying themselves super. Um, and especially in those early years where you're just trying to make it work. So all of these things really um, mean you've got less going into super or a period of time where your super account is actually not doing much at all, um, but you've still got fees on the account. And you've potentially got things like uh, money coming out for insurance on the account, which are all reasonable. Of course, you know, there's services that are provided, products that are provided. So you have to pay a fee for that. But you've got nothing going in or very little going in and fees coming out. So your balance can actually dwindle over time uh, because of that. So that's really like the biggest impact that motherhood does have um, on your superannuation is a lower balance and the less that goes in in the early years has a really huge effect in the later years. So, yeah, uh, like I think compounding interest and all of that, it's, it's really the time that the money is in there and the um, having money going regularly is what the power of having super there for you later in life. So if you don't have those factors working in your favour, then you, you're just so far behind and it's so hard to catch up. Yeah. This is so interesting. And so what are some of the <laughs> misconceptions mums have about super? And I love that you uh, talked on that point about uh, a lot of mums becoming small to medium business owners. Um, yeah, so interesting to see what are some of the misconceptions. Uh, so big ones are that um, super is like it, it's you're never going to be able to access it. It's not your money. So that's how this mindset that people have and, um, like I'm here to tell you that money in super is your money. That is, yeah. you know, when you have been working for someone else, that is part of your salary package. So, but it's so common, like, oh, it's not really mine. I'm not going to think about it. Um, it, it and, or it doesn't matter. I'll think about that later. 
And yeah. as I just said, all those reasons, it's actually really important that you give it some attention now. It's not going to be your whole focus, but it is important now that people think, oh, I can deal with that later and it will be fine. Well, it actually is not going to be fine if you don't worry about it until later. Um, and the other thing is that um, super, it's, it's a bad investment. So I hear this a lot, oh, super, ah. it's a really bad investment. Um, and the thing about super is it in itself it's not an investment. So superannuation is a structure um, set up to help us um, have funds for retirement, but it's definitely just a structure. And within that structure, you can have all sorts of investments depending on the product that you have or the way your super is set up. But it's so common. People are like, oh, well, it's, it's a bad investment. I'm like, well, actually, if you are so worried about investing, you could have all of your super in cash. Um, yes. So it's actually, you know, you can have it in shares, you can have it in property, you can have it in all different things, but people just think, you know, because of all the hype in the, the media and they, you know, they see it going down and it's going to have this effect. They're just like, oh, no, super is a bad investment, but it, it's not an investment in itself. It's simply a structure for which to save for retirement. So they're sort of the key ones that you hear, like it's, it's not mine, it's, um, it's not a good investment and um, I'm never going to be able to really use it so I won't worry about it. Yeah. And I think because like, it's not really explained to you when you, when you open your super account, because it's usually when you have your first job and you're sort of just given one and you're 49 months. And at that time you're like, (laughs) I don't care about super. So, but even then you, you just, you don't know any information. Like you're not going to sit there and read that big long document about what it is and where your money's going. Yeah, exactly. Like it's just, you just literally sign a form and then bang, you've got this super account and you see that money goes in there, but you have no idea what it's for. Um, Definitely the education um, around that has gotten a lot better. So a lot of the super funds are doing some really cool communications now and lessons. So I'm really glad that that's getting out there more Um, and more digestible information, like little videos and stuff like that. So it is getting better, but I agree. Like it's, it's just one of those things that you have to have. You don't really know why no one ever, it's not taught in school. It's not taught at uni. There's no way for you to really understand what it's for or to appreciate it. Like what in your twenties, you're like, what? So I don't care. Like yeah. what's that all about? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that there should be more of a focus at some point to be like, this is what it's for and this is why it's yours. And this is how you can make it work for you. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone's deciding not to return to paid work or they're going part-time then, what are some of the super shop, super options they should consider? Because is there a misconception then, okay, well, I've decided I'm not returning to work. Therefore, I'm just not going to think about my super. I'll like, it's just gone. Or like, you know, what's the thinking around that? What should mums be doing? Yeah, I think, I think people do just like, oh, well, it's not, uh, it doesn't apply to me anymore because I don't have an income, so money's not going in. So definitely I think that's what people are thinking. Um, but what you can be doing is, depending on your situation, so you can actually make contributions to super. So there is what uh, your employer will put in, but as an individual, you can actually put money into super if, if you wanted to do that. Um, so you can also increase what your employer puts in. So maybe while you're working full-time, preparation to starting a family and having some time out of the workforce, you could actually increase what you're putting into super um, to sort of cover for those years out and make sure that it's still building while you've got more income. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, you, you can do things like that in order to prepare. Um, the other thing I do is check your super. Like, do you, do you still have three or five accounts? <laughs> um, <laughs> make sure you've just got one account working for you. 
Um, and what are the fees on that account? So it becomes, if you aren't going to have money going in, it becomes really important to be really fee conscious and make sure you know what you're getting for that fee. Um, so there are some really low cost super options that can work really well for you in that situation. So know what your fees are, know where your super is and make sure it's in one place that is, is prepared to not have money going in all the time. You know, check if you need all that insurance that's in there. There's a good chance you do, but make yeah. sure that you know you do. Like make sure that's a conscious decision rather than something that's just coming out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and then the other thing is, um, sorry. No, I was just going to say, so if, if, you, if you decided you're not returning to work and you're just not thinking about that, at all you know you don't know if you'll go back maybe you want to wait till your kids are in primary school or you might not even want to um as a mum if you're not doing any paid work or not even intending to go back can you still be putting those personal contributions into your super yeah so there's still ways you can contribute to super so okay. you can still put money in so you can put family money into the super because that okay. could be part of your family strategy yeah um you can, um, there's a number of ways. You can actually look on the ATO website. They talk through all the different types of contributions you can make. And for some contributions, the government actually will put money in for you as well. So, yeah. like, get across that stuff and free money. Like, yeah, free money. Not? Where do we get this? Sign up. <laughs> like, yeah, have a look on the ATO website. See what might apply to your situation. Okay. Um, because you can still be getting money in there even if you're not working. And um, you know, that, that's going to be really good for your future. Yeah, no, that's fantastic information to know because I think, yeah, like you said, there's this misconception that, you know, okay, well, I'm not working, doesn't apply to me. Um, yeah, but you can actually be making those personal contributions even when you're not, even when you're not working. So that is so yeah. good to know. Yeah, so what are some other options, super options <clears throat> you should be considering? Um, I think they're really like the key ones. So knowing you know what super you have yeah. what fees are on the account making sure that it's an account that's right for you um and and know that you can put money in and how to put money in and look at the most effective ways to put money into super and to see if you're in a position that you can take advantage of those um those government contributions as well yeah now i saw something recently and i don't know if it's true um because i just clicked on an article it was sort of you know shared in a group and it was about inactive accounts so accounts where there's just no contribution going for a particular period of time I don't don't quote me on it but I think it said 18 months um, and I freaked out because I was like oh my gosh my child's 18 months old so if there's no contributions going in there for over a period of time is there a new sort of legislation or something that's come in about what happens to those accounts that are sitting there without contributions um, yeah so the main one at the moment and there has been some um, legislation passed and it's actually really well-intended legislation, right? So they want to make sure that accounts aren't getting eaten up by fees. Okay. Um, so one of the main ones, and it actually um, can come in, is going to start having an effect um, on Monday, the 1st of July, is one of the things is if you've got, haven't had a contribution, I think it's actually 16 months, in 16 months, and you've got insurance in your superannuation account, they um, will cancel your insurance unless you've opted to keep it. Okay. Right. So um, that's a pretty important one to be aware of. And it's not that as of 1 July, they'll necessarily cancel it. It's from that time period. They'll start to look, review the accounts. And if they've been inactive for that period of time, they'll cancel your insurance. So um, the super funds actually don't really want to do that, but that's the legislation. So they have to. So they are going to be right on top of it because they're going to be in trouble if they don't go ahead and do that. 
Um, so that's one to be really mindful of. A lot of people are like, oh, insurance is just eating up my fees anyway. That's fine. And, um, you know, maybe it is. But unless you've actually reviewed your situation and made that decision, yeah, you don't want something to be cancelled that you may not be able to get again. So that's one of the big things that's happening um, right now. Um, and if it's something that you've sort of realised down the track that may have happened to you, it's, it's, you can still contact the Superfund and ask them if there's anything you can do about it. So, um, like, just... I guess that's another thing, getting in touch with your account and knowing what's going on um, yeah. is a big one. So, so um, yeah, that's a big change. If it's been inactive for 16 months and your balance is under $6,000 um, in that account, so it could mean that you have several accounts, they're all under $6,000, they'll be um, transferred to the ATO and become an inactive account. Um, again, that is just so that you are not having fees still coming out. Um, okay. And so you're not going to have fees. So that's why they're going to do that. So. Um, that's not really a terrible thing. Um, but can people just, access that money again or is it gone? Um, if they've got under 6000 it goes to the ATO? No, no, they don't get to keep it. So you, okay. you, um, so you should be able to see by um, logging into like MyGov and that sort of thing and then linking your ATO account to see if you've, you're in that position and then be able to reclaim those accounts. So um, it's not like, hey, we're taking your money. It's actually, uh, it's actually there to protect you and okay. make sure that what, what you have doesn't disappear. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, ideally you don't want it to happen because it's probably going to be a bit of paperwork and sorting yeah. through. Um, but it is definitely a protection mechanism um, and you're not losing that money. Um, but the issue is some people might have a small account that they haven't had a contribution go into. They might have it for a reason as well as another account. They, they, there can be strategies where you have that. So that's why it's really important to be on top of these changes, know what's going on because um, you may it may be really bad for you personally because of what you've got set up for it to be moved to the ATO. So, um, again, you just got to be connected with your super and then these things don't come as a shock. If you know what's going on, they're yeah. not going to be a shock to you. Yeah. Um, it seems to be the last email that you open. Like you're sort of like, oh, my super's emailing me. Like you don't even open it half the time because you're like, I don't understand this information. Or, you know, like like you said, it's not it's not presented in a really easily sort of digested way. So what I yeah. got out of that article was that they've probably sent you emails about this, but you haven't opened them because you're like, oh, yeah, it's in the future. It's not relevant, blah, blah, blah. Um, so we need to actually be like, okay, <laughs> there's important information. If our super's trying to get in contact we should be looking at this stuff. Yeah, and I think most super funds are pretty good. They're not like sending you information all the time. No. So most of them will send you a couple of statements a year and important communication. So <laughs> when they when they are contacting you, it's usually for a good reason. Like they're not really spammy. No. I haven't seen it. You know, I've come across lots of different super funds and they're not just sending you stuff for the fun of it. So yeah. um, if they're communicating with you, it's important. Um, so do have a look at what they've got to say. This one about the insurance is a huge one. Um, I've got clients, you know, that are trying to help them connect with the accounts that they don't know where they are because I'm like, well, you, you need to be across this. Um, what happens a lot is the super funds will have old addresses. So people aren't even getting these communications um, because they don't know where their super is. So they haven't even been, they're not even going to get the warnings um, or the knowledge that their account's going to be moved to the ATO because they just don't even have their details up to date with their super yeah. fund. Or they probably have an old Hotmail address <laughs> attached yeah, to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
We love all those. And do you think it's worth also sitting down with your partner to have a look at how they're super set up and, and things like that? Because I guess, you know, if something happens to our partners, then we want to know. Because I remember for so long, um, you know, when you start your super account, it says, who do you want to give your money to? Like, you know, if you happen to pass away or whatever. And of course, at that time, you put down your parents because that's who you know. Uh, yeah. For so long, I remember with my husband saying, you need to change it. Like, you need to put yeah. me in there. <laughs> but I, I did need to say that to him so often until he finally did that. Um, I'm sure because we're married, things would be different. But, you know, like having a look and, and chatting to your partner about their super would be important too. Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh, so many times I come across people and, you know, they've been together for a really long time and it'll be, yeah, their parents or a sibling <laughs> or like they've got something like really random as their beneficiary. I'm like, is this intentional? Is this how you want this? They're like, oh, I don't know. I filled out a form ages ago. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely. I think this is like what I want to really get through to people is that your whole financial world, if you're in a partnership, you're in a family, I'm not saying you have to share everything because everyone's got their own way of doing things, but you need to know what's going on with each other because, yeah, if something happens to one of you, you need to be able to know where the money is or what, what's, yeah, what's going to happen. What are the repercussions of that financially? Um, so really, again, being prepared, knowing what each other has, making strategies together is going to get you both into a better place than just you both sort of having, oh, this is mine and I'm not going to let you know what's going on here. Yes. Um, it's really important and it might be that I've seen people say well actually it's not my partner that's gonna um, get my super it's gonna be my kids so it could be things like that it doesn't have to be the partner but I think they're decisions you need to make together yeah absolutely um and and this topic's really important to me because I've seen with my mum who's gone through this when my dad passed away and they had quite I guess you know for their time, a very traditional relationship where my dad earned the money and he just looked after everything and, you know, she was oblivious to it. Like, and so when he passed, like she didn't even know how to access their bank accounts. Yeah. Um, and, and I saw that situation and freaked out and thought, oh my gosh, this is horrible. How do you not know your bank account details? How do you not know, you know, if he had a loan here or, or what was going on with anything? Um, and just even trying to navigate that whole getting access to his super for her um, was quite a really difficult task. And at that point, you know, like a family member's passed away. So it's already an emotional situation, but you Mm. realise how heavily one person kind of can, you know, I guess control finances can have a really big impact if they're suddenly out of the picture. So for me, you know, that, that really, I guess, knocked me about to say, okay, I need to be in charge of my finances and I need to make sure that we're both on board with this. Um, But haven't been, you know what? I think my husband, we probably do need to sit down because I feel like it'd be the opposite situation where he just wouldn't know yeah. anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, or where um, to go or who to contact. Like, yeah, he doesn't even know how to yeah. pay bills sometimes. He's like, here, pay this. I'm like, no, you can pay it. It's fine. You know yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, that's like in my house. I'm like, you used the wrong card. Like, I've yeah. told you, this is how we do it. But I think um, it is like with everything in a household, right, you sort of delegate because you can't both be doing it all. So one person sort of naturally will do the financial stuff and then, you know, other people, they're they're good at other things, so they do that. But with the money, it's important to like have a little meeting or have, you know, both be across it. So I'm definitely not saying you both need to know the nitty-gritty of it, but when you're doing that annual budget, you both need to know 
what, what the decisions that you're making and how to access the different accounts and why they're set up that way and where the super where your super is and and do you have insurance and and who do we talk to if something goes wrong for each other so um a sort of an advocate that's why like i love giving advice to families and couples as well because that's their money meeting so we you know we we sit down a few times a year and we're like well this is what's going on and are you both okay with this and and some some people that's their safe place where they can talk about money together because it can be a cause of friction in some relationships um but otherwise i think you need to have your little check-in so my house holds very much the same like i take care of all that because that's my thing um (laughs) and um you know, I've been making some changes recently and I keep saying to my husband, I'm like, we need to have a sit down. We need to have a bit of a, a meeting, yeah. <laughs> um, gr- grab a glass of wine. Let's have a meeting and just talk about where things are at so that we both know. Um, yeah. Cause like, otherwise you can be in real trouble if something happens to one of you. Um, and the other's like, I don't even know. I don't even have the login details to our bank accounts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And even, um, you know, that those old school filing cabinets, because if, if your partner has things like, I guess their super or their accounts, um, where you don't even know the name of it, like you want to have access to that if something happened or you needed to. Um, so, you know, those old school sort of things, cause these days everything's sent via email, but if you don't have your partner's login details, you're not going to know where to find it. Yeah, exactly. So um, a couple of things that I think are important for that is having like a little folder of the really important stuff. So um, things like your will, um, that's another big important thing, will, power of attorney, those documents, insurance papers, maybe like a super statement and just having one little folder with the important stuff. Um, the other thing, we have a joint file online filing system. So all that stuff goes in there for us that we both have access to. Yeah. Um, and also like um, now there's like lots of different ways you can save passwords and then share those passwords with other people online. Um, so we've recently implemented that so that we can access all of each other's accounts, like bank accounts um, and my gov, like all those sort of things. We can access each other's, but yeah. not necessarily actually don't need to know the password. Like you can just actually grant them access through these online tools. So, um, and you know, they're very secure type tools but there's quite a few around now and I'm finding that that's a really good way to both have access to that information and also think about if something happens to both of you Uh who else might need access right yeah like (laughs) so um you know they're definitely changing the way that we store this information and give other people access but um with with the sort of online digital world we need to start thinking about more modern ways we can do that yeah, yeah, that's such a great point. Like, we, we, you know, obviously you don't want to think that way, but it can happen and you want to save, obviously, the other people, like, you know, less stress to find that information yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, well, like you said, like helping your mum navigate all of that, you're going through a really emotionally distressing time and you don't yeah. want to waste that time no. on looking for papers and, oh, and trying to find a trail yeah. and then you know like doing things like convincing a bank that someone's passed away I like, know that was really like, difficult and because I was speaking on behalf of her but also she needed to be the person speaking to them but you know she yeah. was frazzled and upset and like it was really really like I remember being very dramatic so I was like oh, yeah I'm not going through this again this is horrible yeah, exactly. So I just think if you can address it now while yeah. everything is good, yes. you don't really have to think about it that much and yeah. it's going to make your life easier because 
easier down the track or someone yeah. else's life or it's just going to make things better so that you can go ahead and deal with your emotions rather than paperwork and banks and electricity companies. Like, Yeah, yeah. And you touched on another thing that was really important was wills, having a will. Yeah, yeah. So I guess back to that uh, earlier question about um, being financially vulnerable and that sort of thing, um, a big thing that families forget to do or mums yeah. forget to do with their kids is have a will in place. And they're like, I don't need that. Like, I don't have anything. Again, it comes back to that. I'm not worth anything. Oh. So I, what do I need a will for? And um, obviously you, most people have a house. They have a little bit of money in a bank account. You don't need a super complex will. But if you've got kids, um, yeah. you need to have a will because um, you need to list um, someone to look after your children if something happens to both of you. Yeah, um, and also um, along with wills, uh, power of attorneys, where you can appoint each other in a relationship to make decisions for you if you are unable to. So while you're alive, but maybe something in an accident or something like that, yeah, that um, the other person can make decisions for you. Um, because back in the day, like if you were married, you could just like ring up about each other's bank accounts, but you can't do that now, even if it's a joint account. Like yeah. it's actually challenging. So you need these documents in place to be able to move through these situations easily. And again, if you've got that stuff in place, it's much easier and you can focus on dealing with the emotional side rather than, you know, the financial admin burden. Yeah, absolutely. So there's so many things now people can take away. You've got to sit down. I want everyone to sit down and be like, all right, we're going to work out our folders. We're going to work out our passwords. We're going to, you know, get our will. We're going to look at our super. So many things. There's so many things and you don't have to do it all at once. No, of um, not. You know, I don't do it all at once myself. You know, you sort of have a checklist of the things you need to do yeah. and slowly work through them till you know that you've got a pretty safe foundation. Um, one, for like doing the cool stuff. Like don't yeah. forget, it's, it's about doing the fun stuff and living the life that you want to live. So you want to have the plans in place for that but also the foundation in place for if something does go wrong, yes. you've got that other side sorted as well and you're as prepared as you can be for when something happens. Absolutely. I love this. So much homework. I'm, I'm going to have to come <laughs> back and take notes. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Um, it's been really interesting hearing about what you do and, and how you help women. And, I, again, I'm still blown by that thing of how you said that financial advisor is for you know, for people who like, it's not just for rich people and not for old people. So I think that's really great. That's like one of the key takeaways um, that I hope people took away from this, that yes, whatever you have, whatever your financial situation that, you know, having someone like you, Karen, um, is so helpful and, and it's great that you're accessible and you understand from a mum's point of view as well, because you're a mum of two. Yeah, and that's what's been so important about setting up this business and doing that is working with people that I want to work with and that I know I can help. Like I know I can make yeah. a big difference just to everyday mums and families by educating them and giving them the strategies to do what they want to do. Yeah, fantastic. So we might just shift gears a bit and talk about motherhood yeah. because you are a mum of two young boys. How old are they? Um, three and nearly eight months. Wow. Yes. Very young. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Life is fun. <laughs> so yep, what's it's busy. Been, yeah. Very busy. So I'm a boy, um, I'm a boy mama too. That's what I call myself. Uh, so what's yep. been your personal experience of motherhood? What are some of the challenges and the surprises you've had? Uh, well, first off, I never really picture myself as a mum of boys. Um, so that has been like a learning curve. Um, 
but I wouldn't have it any other way now, I guess, you know, like most people, but like, it's just, it's actually really cool. And I'm starting to see, um, I guess, learn a lot about a totally different side of things. Um, biggest challenge is like that mum guilt that you have of juggling work and spending time with the kids and getting other things done is, you know, you're always pulled in a different direction. And I don't think that there's any cure for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I definitely think through being a mum, my patience has improved um, and my tolerance for like people's behaviour. So obviously, especially kids' behaviour, but also people in general. Um, you know, when you've got a little toddler running around and they're having a meltdown, there's always a reason yeah. that they're having that meltdown. And so I think that sort of started me to see, okay, there's there's a reason for everyone to be, you know, usually behave in a bad way or not quite the way you would behave. Yeah. Um, and so it's really sort of opened my eyes um, generally, which is really amazing. Um, and having that fresh look at things as well, like, you know, when they say something really like simple comment and you're just like, yeah, like I haven't thought about it like that because you've got all your preconceptions built in now, but it, it sort of gives you a fresh view on things. So I guess they're the things I'm really surprised because you, you don't really, you can't really prepare for that or know that it's going to be like that. And they're like really yeah. enjoying that side of it. Um, and definitely feeling more settled now, um, you know, in our family and, and, and being a mum of boys and active and running around. Like it's, it's a big surprise, but I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you love when, um, yeah, they, they look at things in such a, a fresh way. Like even, you know, my son will open the curtains and be like, look at the stars, like look up at the stars. And it's like, oh, like you just, you don't do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're just yeah. so fascinated by the things that we take for granted. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. My little boy said the other day, he's like, why do we have doors inside? And I was <laughs> like, and, and I went to answer, he goes, no, inside. Why do we have doors inside? Like he totally already knew why we had doors to get in. And I was like, <laughs> It seems like a really stupid question, but I had to think about how I would answer that. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, yeah, we have a lot of doors in our house. <laughs> why do we have so many doors? Yeah, why are we um, so divided? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was like quite a like, okay, well, yeah. And you just, you just think, it makes you think twice when you have to explain things. And yeah. also try and extend your vocab because <laughs> so many times you want to say stuff and like and... <laughs> You know, those sort of nothing words, but you're trying to explain something. So you need to use proper words. So that's been sort of cool as well. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like, oh, I need to Google that. Hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me get exactly. back to you on that one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, that's interesting that you were, you didn't know that you'd, or you didn't think that you'd be a mum of two boys. I always thought I would be. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why I thought I would have girls and then we found out with both of them and um, that gave me a chance to start preparing and I'm yeah. So happy being yeah. a voice. <laughs> yeah. And you notice like they've got totally different personalities as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like really like two totally different little guys running around and it's because yeah. like, when I found out I was having another boy, I was like, Oh my God, how am I going to do this? Because my first one is so full on. Yeah. And it wasn't until I started speaking to other moms, they're like, yeah, but my kids are totally different. I'm like, oh, yeah, this yeah. one might not be as full on. And they are. They're totally different. I can already see that. Yeah. Yeah. My second is really chilled. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. You're like, so oh, far. my goodness, so far. Well, yeah. now, he's, now he's walking. So you've got an eight-month-old. Is he rolling? 
crawling? He's rolling and starting to get a bit frustrated that he can't move yet. So, yeah, yeah we're on our way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that's what it happens. You're like, I'll never sit down again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, gosh. Oh, that's awesome. Um, So I guess then, you know, being an expert financial advisor, what are some of the ways you have or that you will teach your kids about money? Um, yeah, so I've jumped onto it really early. Um, my first one, I started his bank account when he was about five months old, yeah. um, which I really now need to get <laughs> go and do for my second because I haven't got around to it yet. Ah, the second um, child. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Poor guy. Um, so, yeah, setting up a bank account from an early age um, is what we've done. We've also got a money box. And so from a really young age, if there was coins around the house, we would give them to him and go and put them in his money box with him. Um, so that helps obviously not have stuff around that they're going to put in their mouths. Yeah. Um, but it just started that collecting process really early. Um, and so then he would, once he was walking and stuff, he would find money and he'd want to go put it in his money box. So it also solved the problem of him trying to put money in his mouth if it was lying around. Um, and then when we set up a bank account, I chose a bank that had a, a branch that we could go into because when the money box gets full, we go to the bank together and we put the money into the bank account. Um, so for me, it was really important that we had that visual connection between actual money and how it gets into the bank yeah. and onto these these cards that we just wave around or phones that we pay for things with. So that's how I've addressed that for now. I think, you know, as years go on it might not be the right way because we'll have less and less money around but for now I think it's still relevant to make that connection between cash the banks and and how you spend that money so we've yeah. done that um so we've been to the bank a couple of times now and filled up you know put the coins in the chute and seen them all go in and then you know now the money's in your bank account type thing um I put like have a transfer like $5 a month going into the bank account. So it doesn't have to be big, something really small. That also means I get the higher interest rate on this particular bank account. That's the way that you get it. Um, You know, let them see us using the cards or the phone to pay for things and letting them pay sometimes. Um, Recently I've given um, my eldest a little wallet. So if he finds some coins or we give him some coins, he can put it in his money box or in his wallet. He can choose sometimes. And then um, I last time he went to the shops with my husband, I said, oh, I'll let him take his wallet. And if he wants to buy something, he can buy something. Uh-huh. And um, so they went to buy something and they'd forgotten his water bottle. So they were looking to buy a water bottle and a chocolate. Yeah. And they didn't have enough money for both. So he had to choose which he would buy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm guessing and which so- one he went with. Well, he chose the water because oh not because, okay, not because he's a healthy kid or anything like that. <laughs> um, let's not let's be honest here. He was really fascinated because we don't have a lot of you know store bought water bottles at home. We've got our own water bottles. He was just yes. like fascinated by the the style of bottle, so he really wanted that bottle. <laughs> um, so he had to make that decision, and he he came home and he was like, "Well, I've got my water, but I want a chocolate." So he was still <laughs> not totally resolved with the idea, but it was really cool to get him to make that choice and you know, use his money to buy something. So we're going to start doing more of that yeah. um, to get him his idea. And if, and if we go buy things at the shops with him, like clothes, he, you know, he doesn't get everything. He has to choose between things. Um, you know, what you can have one thing, what do you want? Or, you know, we need to buy a T-shirt, but you only need one. Which which one do you want most? Um, so all those sort of conversations we're having. Yes. Um, and when he says, oh, 
where's daddy or daddy's at work or mommy's doing some work why um well we need to work because we need to earn some money we've got to pay for our house where we live we've got to pay for our food you know, we need to pay for those things so we have to work and that's how we earn money so um we have those conversations and have had for a while as soon as that why question came in yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and the other thing that um we've done is he actually got like a little bit of money when he was born from relatives so that went into the bank account but then into a share portfolio just for him so i'm talking about like you know a couple of hundred dollars nothing crazy yeah. um but we set up a share account for him pretty early on and again I think I've got I've got $50 a month going into that so nothing major just enough to keep it going um and so when he's old enough we'll start talking about that with him and showing him and um you know it's actually sort of got his name on it as an account so again I need to go back and do that for my second but um (laughs) they're the sort of things that we're doing to educate about money but also to be in a position when he's older to be like, yes, you're educated, but we've actually saved some money for you. So you can use that to, I don't know, whatever it might be. Um, yeah. We can sort of hand that over to keep that education going or to use it for something in the future. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. You've done so much and he's three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess that's sort of the stuff that you do when that's, that's, yeah, that's, your, that's jam. your life and your world. But yeah. um, I'd love to help other people do that. Like people are, like, oh, what should I do? Should I start a bank account? I'm like, yeah, you can, but like, interest rates are so bad for savers at the moment yeah but you know there's other ways that you can help that money grow and you know start that sort of education process as well because I think everyone thinks oh when I'm older I'll buy a house because that's what you do when you've got some money saved yes but you actually need quite a lot of money saved to buy a house so there are things you can do before you get to that point so starting that education piece early around shares means that it's another thing that they can be comfortable with in the future when they're making choices about their own money yeah. Yeah. And do you, when you're doing your work, are you working one-on-one with people? Cause I feel like you should totally do an online course for mums. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. At the moment I am, um, yeah, working one-on-one with people. Yeah. Um, I've done a few like presentations um, for like super funds, unis, that sort of thing where, you know, education, like I love talking about this stuff. So I'm really happy for any forum where I can, educate people about it and make it because some people don't need the extra help they're really good they just need some guidelines and that's cool if I can give people that information and arm them with that information I'm happy for them to do it themselves that makes me excited (laughs) um and and some people need extra help and I'm there for that too so um but no I don't do any education stuff but that would be cool to do in the future Yes, definitely. I love all this. Thank you so much for, uh, you know, just giving us a bit of insight about how you're teaching your kids about money. I'm going to um, implement some of those tips. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. Happy to share. I think my child would definitely pick the chocolate. Like I know that hands down, he'd be like, water, who cares about that? (laughs) I was so surprised as well, but it was definitely the bottle that I think tipped him over. Yeah. Yeah. Something unique and, and fascinating. This is my favourite question. What's a random fun fact about you? Um, so I couldn't, this is really bad, I couldn't think of a fun fact and I turned to my husband and I was like, what's a fun fact about me? And he couldn't think of a fun fact either. So <laughs> that was depressing. Right. Um, <laughs> so I came up with an interesting fact. Um, okay. I do a lot of thinking in the shower. Okay. So not on purpose. Um, and I always have, so it's not just since I've had kids, it's my only space I get a minute to myself, but. So I'll just be having a shower and then all of a sudden things will pop into my head. So it'll be like ideas or solutions um, and I'll be like, oh, my God, that's it. Like that's totally it. So that's where that happens for me. 
And sometimes even like strategies for my clients <laughs> will pop into my head, like all of a sudden <laughs> the dots will connect. I'll be like, yes, that's what we need to do. So I'm sorry if that freaks out any of my clients, but sometimes I might be thinking about their finances <laughs> when I'm in the shower. <laughs> No, that's great. Did you, I think there is somewhere where you can get, um, if, I don't know, obviously you can't write on it. There's something where you can record your ideas in the shower. I don't know what it is, but I, I, I am the same though. Like ideas pop into my head when I'm having a shower. It might be just that you're relaxing. That's when, yeah. you know, all the good ideas come to you. Yeah, yeah. You're relaxing. You're not yeah. trying to do anything else. And so they just float in. I'm like, yep, that's exactly what we need to do or that's the solution or this is a great idea and it just happens for me there. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. No, that is a fun fact. <laughs> Your husband's wrong. <laughs> uh, um, and now just to finish up, if someone would love to get in touch with you and find out more information, where can they connect? Uh, so I've got, I'm on Instagram and Facebook, uh, at Your Life and Money Matters, so the full word and the word and. Um, my website is www.yourlifeandmoneymatters.com.au and uh, my email is hello at ylmm.com.au. So happy to anyone to say hi, ask me questions um, and also check out any tips and things that I'll put out there for you to use. Thanks a bunch for joining us. Let's chat further about this episode on Motherhood Melbourne, Facey or Insta. For more info about my guest, the podcast, or my podcast partner, visit motherhoodmelbourne.com.au. If you loved this episode or the potty, please share the love by writing a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Okay, that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging out with me. 